Good to see you all here this morning. Enthusiastic, full of praise for God. And um, we just, uh, as Steve was sharing this morning, expectation. Expectation. Who's expecting something good and profound from the Lord this morning? So am I. Praise God. Can't wait. Can't wait. Hey, before I uh, get going, just a, a real big uh, thank you to um, um, to Gus and Fiona who organised a uh, cathead carnival yesterday at uh, Barnabas House where we pulled out about 300 square metres of catheads and filled up half a skip bin. And, um, and it was good to see that uh, Fiona, being a teacher at Marion, organised some of the students who came and helped and it's just really good seeing the community come. And it's not just a church thing, it's a community thing, isn't it? And um, we're really encouraging the community to get involved. And so um, thanks, guys, for organising that. It was well appreciated. I know Felix appreciated it a lot because um, um, he probably would have had to go and do it himself, no? Probably would have got Peter. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so Pete's really appreciative of that. So well done, guys. Thanks for that. And those that came to help, we really appreciate the, your help as well. So praise God. Got your Bibles, turn to Luke 24 as we get into the Word. As you know, we're in the Easter period, we're the weeks after Easter, and I thought as I was preparing and asking the Lord what we should be sharing about, I thought I'd turn to, to... the Gospels and just have a look at what happened, you know, in the days and the weeks after the resurrection of Christ. And um, in Luke 24, verse 13, we come across an account of uh, two men, Cleopas and Simon, or Peter, some translations call him. So let's just read there. Who's got it? Everyone there? Yep. No one's not there yet? Cool. Let's get started. Now that same day, okay, so that's talking about the day of the resurrection. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? Do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since these things took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, um, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And it keeps going and talking about what happened. And we'll, we'll go through the whole story in a moment. But this morning I want to talk to you about the foundation of our hope. 
We've been talking a lot lately about things that, um, about love, about the eternal nature of God, about grace. And I just want to um, just make mention that all these things have a foundation, and that foundation is hope. In our vision statement, you know it by now because we often talk about it, in that there are three aspects of it uh, taken from 1 Corinthians 13, that these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And in our, in our purpose as a church, we are purposed to inspire faith in other people. That is our purpose. That is our determination as a church, that faith is inspired and that hope is imparted and that love is expressed. And so when you even look at those three things, we need to be able to understand that even though they are all similar and all work together, they are actually, in fact, different. So here's a couple of things I want to say. Hope cannot be taught. All right? We can't learn hope. We can't read a study on hope and hope that it builds us up. And as our vision statement rightly says, hope is imparted. And it's done in one of two ways, either through revelation or through our life experiences. As we read in our scripture, and as uh, we'll dig a little deeper soon, our two friends, Cleopas and Simon, had placed their hope in the wrong place. And it was only through a revelation that their hearts began to sing and recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope can only ever be imparted. And according to Romans 5.3, it is actually a trait of our character and flows from a strong character. It's forged in the crucible, the crucible of, of trial and despair. In other words, through our life experiences. John five, uh, Romans 5.3 says what? Rejoice. Whenever you face trials and temptations of any kind. Because in that, we need to persevere. And in that perseverance, our character is strengthened and shaped. And in that character, we find hope. William Carey, who's heard of William Carey, a great missionary, one of his, um, I suppose, well-known sayings, and in a paraphrase, he said, I can plod. If there's one thing that I can boast about is that I can plod. In other words, he can persevere. He can keep going. He can take another step. And William Carey ought to know what he was talking about because in his missionary endeavor to, to India... He faced many trials and temptations and hardships. He was, um, when he, when he uh, spruced the idea of going to India and setting up missionary fields, he was shunned by his denomination. They wouldn't back him. They wouldn't encourage him. And even as he got over there, 
A few years later, his five-year-old boy died. And his wife went insane, literally, in despair. And yet he kept going. He kept persevering, one step at a time. Paul says, rejoice and persevere. Yet, I know a lot of people, even good Christian folk, do the exact opposite. Instead of rejoicing and persevering, we find that they complain and walk away. Persevere, because perseverance creates character. And a strong character builds hope. So if we know that is true, then the opposite is true as well. Some people think the scriptures say, whinge and complain and blame God and others when you face trials of many kinds because we know that suffering is a sign that God doesn't really love us and that we should give up and walk away. Then I can justify my bad attitude, which is really an outworking of my weak character. And I will walk around like a sourpuss because... I know there is no hope. Yes, this thing called hope has greatly disappointed me. I want to ask you, which scripture are you adhering to today? The one we find in the Word of God or the one that often we can see outworking in people's lives? You see, when we look back at our friends, Cleopas and Simon on the road to Emmaus, in verse 21, it says... We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped that this Jesus was the one. But what was their hope founded on? When we look back on the account of Luke 24, I would hope that we would examine ourselves and ask the questions, what is our hope founded on back in Luke 24 I hope you're still there I hope I can explain what our hope is not founded on make us more um, be able to to see what hope should be founded on and a bit of disclaimer before I, I read out this list is that these things that I share are good and proper and right, and useful to strengthen our faith, but they should never be a foundation of our hope. And you might be thinking, what's the difference between faith and hope? Their answer is not a lot, but there is a difference. Because Paul says, three things remain, faith, hope, and love. There are three things there. And so faith and hope are not the same thing. Although they are very much reliant upon one another, there is a difference. And what is that difference? Well, Luther says that faith is a matter of the mind where hope is a matter of the heart. Think about that for a moment. Faith is of the intellect. It's of sound reason. Faith can be learnt. Faith can be taught. Faith can be strengthened as we learn more and more and more. And as we study the Word of God and as we spend time in intimate relationship with with Christ, faith is built because we learn more about Him, about His character, about His nature. 
But hope is of the heart. That's why it can't be taught. That's why it has to be received. By revelation, by experience, we receive hope. The classical definition of faith which we find in Hebrews 11.1 1, is that faith is being sure of what we hope for. Okay? So I, I, I'm just trying to, to build something here in our mind that faith is a, a surety of the things that we hope for. So the foundation is hope. And then faith is built upon that and it strengthens it. And it builds upon it. So let's unpack this a bit in our account of our two mates in Luke 24. Cleopas and Simon were actually saying, I think, that we had put our faith in this man Jesus because of what we'd seen about him, what we heard about him. Obviously, they were close to the, to the group and the crowd that were following him. Because we see later on they actually went back and met with the the disciples and the apostles and gave them their testimony. So they were close. So they obviously had seen a lot of what Jesus had done. They'd heard a lot about what he had done. They understood who Jesus was. In other words, their natural senses had been exposed to everything that Jesus had done in that lifetime. And it had fed their mind. It had built their faith up. And there was nothing wrong with their faith. But it was in their understanding and the misconception that they made the statement, we had hoped this man would save us. So let's look at it. Verse 15. It says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. So hope is not built around discussion and talk. Because if it had, they would have had a better understanding. Verse 19. Jesus said, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. So they'd seen the miracles. They'd seen the signs. They heard the testimonies. But again, in all that, their hope was still not rock solid. Verse 22 says, where is it? There it is. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels. Testimonies should not be the foundation of our hope. Verse 27 And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Even the knowledge of scripture should not be, cannot be the foundation of hope. Verse 
Because we see even in this account, after all that, after all of the talking and discussion, after all the ex- uh, being exposed to the miracles and seeing the signs and wonder throughout Jesus' life, even after the testimonies that they had heard from these women, crying out loud, women, come on. That was amazing back in those days. And even after Jesus had opened their minds to the Scriptures, it still didn't click. Their faith, yes, was strong. And they knew of Christ. They knew who he was. They knew who he represented. But somehow something was still missing. Something was still missing. In spite of all these things, Cleopas and Simon still did not recognize that the risen Christ was standing right next to them. What fools we would say. How could they not see him? How could they not see him? Even after all this thing, we think to ourselves, Cleopas, come on, Simon, oh my gosh, that's Jesus standing right next to you. Can't you see it? And yet before, I challenge before we make a judgment on these two men, let us look in our own hearts because I would say that often we actually fail to recognize the risen Christ in our own life, that he is right there with us. Why? Why does that happen? Is it because we are weak in faith? I don't think so. I actually think that sometimes we put ourselves outside of a position. We do not position ourselves to see God's work in our life. Remember, I said that hope comes from our life experiences. And from what else? Revelation. Revelation. And revelation usually comes as we position ourselves to receive it. Let's look at verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Cleopas and Simon positioned themselves to receive the revelation. Jesus didn't invite himself in. Cleopas and Simon invited them in and urged him, come into our house. Even though they still didn't recognize who he was, they were being hospitable. And they invited the risen Christ, unbeknownly, into their home. Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus speaking, says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever lets me in, I will come in and dine 
with you. I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Who was he talking to in that scripture? He was talking to not the unbelievers. He was talking to the lukewarm church of Laodicea. Those who thought that they knew everything, they had everything, they were, current, they were comfortable in their current lifestyle. But Jesus said to them, Hey guys, you probably haven't realized it, but you've put me outside and locked the door. But I want to come in and I want to eat with you. I share these things this morning as as a reminder, because it's good that we remind ourselves that sometimes we can just keep going on with life. We can get busy doing stuff, good stuff, not horrible stuff. We can keep doing good stuff in our life. But often what we're doing is we're failing to recognize that Jesus is there with us and that he is the foundation of our hope. And as we build upon that and as we learn more about him and his characteristics, our faith is strengthened and our faith is built. But hope is always there. Why? Because we have a revelation. When we come to Christ, when we call him Lord and Saviour, there is that revelation of who the risen Christ is. Are we content? Are we comfortable in our current situation? Have we inadvertently put Jesus on the outer fringes of our life instead of keeping him in the middle? Thinking that we have enough, we know enough, we do enough. You see, if we learn from our story in Luke 24 this morning, now Cleopas and Simon could have easily have said, you know, thanks, Thanks for the chat. It was good catching up with you. Hopefully we'll catch up again sometime and just let Jesus keep going. But let us not be like that. Because in doing that, you miss the opportunity of having the revelation of Christ in our life. Invite Jesus in. I know I preach mostly to the converted here. But I pray in all your knowledge, in all your learning, in all that that you have been through in your life, is Jesus still walking beside you, the risen King, the Lord and Saviour of the world, and yet you fail to recognise him? Are you relying on the testimony of others? Are you relying on your knowledge of Scripture? Are you relying on on, on the signs and wonders that, God, if you do this for me, I'll believe you? No. You see, they're all the wrong things to build our hope on. Our hope is in the revelation that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour, on the revelation that he is the risen King. And we have to invite him in. 
He's not going to barge in. This is personal, guys. You know, we can't be like Claire Paz and said, here, here, mate. I mean, they didn't even know who he was. Here, mate, here's 20 bucks. Head down to Maccas for a feed. No, they invited him into his house. And for us, this shows us that we have to invite him into our life. Don't rely on your parents. They might have invited Jesus into their life a long time ago and you're thinking, that's good, I'll just hang on to their coattails for a while. No, this is our life now. This is our responsibility. This is our time to invite Jesus in. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. And while it is good and necessary to build our faith through knowledge and understanding, faith will always be tested in times of trouble. And I've seen too many people walk away from their faith because their hope was founded on their faith. Do you understand that? Their hope was founded on what they thought they knew about Jesus what they thought they understood of other people's testimonies. Their hope was founded on all that. Just as Cleopas and Simon had hoped that this man Jesus was the one that would save Israel. Don't be caught in a situation where you're here hoping that Jesus will save us because that's what the Bible says. It goes much deeper than that. And I want to encourage you this morning... Your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness and that in that he rose from the dead and in that he wants to be in your life eating with you in your life, in your life. Can I ask the musicians to come? We're going to sing Cornerstone again this, this morning. And in that, I want to extend an invitation. For a while now, you may have been coming to church, and that's great. You may have been reading your word, and that's great. You may be listening to the testimonies and of people around you, and that is fantastic. That is awesome. I'm not putting any of that down. But I want to challenge you this morning. Jesus is actually knocking and saying, I want, you in my, I want to be in your life. Ask me in. Ask me in. And if that's you this morning, then just as we're singing this, why don't you come up the front and I want to pray with you. I want to just give you that invitation to accept and invite Jesus in. Amen. Thank you, Lord.